Welcome to Leadership on the Run, episode 14. Today we're talking about influencing, and just for fun, we're in the city of Singapore, in Singapore. Leadership on the Run is a podcast series created by LN Consulting Australia. With directors Janine Brown and myself, psychologist Paul Saunders, we're here to give you quick solutions and answers to the most common people leadership challenges in today's workplaces. We will inform, educate and inspire you so you can start living your people leadership potential today. We will talk you through the practical how-to instructions for mastering that challenge so you can level up your people leadership capability. Hi, Paul. How are you today? I'm hot. I know. It's really hot in Singapore. I love the city. I love the way people engage. I also love their underground lifestyle. (laughs) I like the air conditioning inside. Too hot for running here, really. Um, So strolling along the river was uh, kind of pleasant. But yeah, I'm with you. Humidity, far too high, but a beautiful city and something really fascinating. I was really impressed to find out that the um, the government here have this initiative and they are building a city within a garden. How fabulous is that? I know. Isn't it great? Well, understanding, you know, their environmental challenges, sustainability, they've really taken a very proactive process here. And I really loved it. And the amazing is a lot of people are really jumping on board. They love the new garden that's been built and designed, the way the airport's got a lot more garden and waterfalls in it. And it's just a beautiful thing to see when you come into Singapore. And that flows right into our topic of influencing. We are going to be talking about personal influencing, um, not being an influencer on social media, but how you do influence people. Um, But you can also influence at a strategic level, just like they've done here in Singapore, by having such a, a strong, clear vision and then pulling the levers of government or at a higher level if you're in an organisation where you, you put legislation or regulations or process in place, um, which is you know part of any influencing strategy you can use for both, you know, um, big picture or on a personal level. But we, we will be focusing our frameworks on the more personal level today. Yeah, I think people will find is as leaders, is it's a really important skill, particularly you're not relying on your authority, where you can use influence techniques to influence, to get people to work with you, agree with you, alliance with you. And therefore, you can use that personal's power to then influence at a more broader strategic level. Yeah, I don't know about you, Paul, but in my earlier career, I used to, um, and I still am good at ad-libbing, and I used to think that that would get me everywhere. And it, and it proved to be quite a good strategy for a, a certain amount of time until I got higher up in, um, you know, in organisational le- structures, um, and it suddenly became obvious that I needed more skills in my my toolkit than just ad-libbing. I needed to be actively planning and deliberately influencing people. And I had to learn how to do that. Yeah, absolutely right. I think as you get into more leadership roles, you realise is I've got to be a lot more clear about my communication, which means my influence techniques and understanding the scenarios and the situations. 
you know, for myself, in my early part of my career, you know, I worked in prisons and uh, I sometimes would have to go into a prisoner's cell and they're like huge, twice the size of me, these people normally. Oh, I thought you meant the cell. The cell's really small, so I'm really <laughs> actually found in this really tight area with this uh, prisoner who, uh, there's no consequences, he's already in jail. Yeah. So I needed to be really good at my communication to engage them, to get them to actually work with me because I was often going in there to write reports or look at assessments and, Ideally to help them, but sometimes we were seen as, you know, the us and them scenario between their mindset and often had to try and work with them to get them to work with me. And I had to reuse a number of techniques. It, you know, it was a good way to throw me in the deep end and learn it, and I did. <laughs> sure. And that, that reminds me that there are different reasons why people need to influence. You know, you might won't be wanting to join a project or you might need to provide solutions. Um, you might want to share some knowledge. Uh, you might need to get a job or um, accept a particular change that is occurring. Or maybe you just need to consider a different approach to something. So these are all times when you would need to be able to influence other people. So we've got a framework from Bacon, Terry Bacon today, from his um, Elements of Influence book that he wrote back in 2011, which um, gives us 10 different techniques for influencing, but they're kindly and conveniently um, categorised into three areas of rational, social and emotional. So, yes, they're really good. I've often used this when I was uh, really wanting to understand this uh, for survival mechanisms. <laughs> I uh, uh, got and did some research in this area and um, uh, saw some earlier work done and then Terry's work came out and it just gave a nice simple framework about how to actually look at structuring the way you want to influence and also raise that how you need to do, think about the intent. First of all, be very clear about what your purpose is. Is it for a win-win, are you trying to aim at an outcome that's benefit for you and the other person? So with some of that sort of principles around it too, which I thought was really positive. The idea is, is that on a rational, I know I remember this working with a, a, a client at the moment, a family business, and the owner's um, uh, trying to encourage other people who are non-family to be more involved. And yet they still come from a very rational, directive state of mind. We need to do this, this, and this approach. And what others are coming from is more value-based. So one of the key other managers in that organisation are very value-based. So they're trying to talk about the values and the culture, and you've got an owner talking about direction and structure. So um, both can be legitimate influence techniques, but they've got. We realised we had to help them work through an agreement about which methods work best for the different people. And as always in any communication framework, I, I didn't mention before, but I'm mentioning now. Listening is going to be your first mindset that you need to get your head into um, to to even look at these categories. Because whilst you're listening, in your example there, the persons would then discover that the other person was communicating um, from a different passionate need, and so you need to to change, to influence them, you need to, in fact, acknowledge their particular need in your influencing. Yes. So part of, like you said, about planning it out, first of all, do you understand the needs of the other person? Do you understand what their intent is as well? And sometimes that's your first conversation is purely just asking questions and, and finding out. It's putting on your appreciative inquiry hat on and wanting to understand. And then and doing that in itself is an influence technique because now you're having a two-way engaging conversation. Because one of the other things about influence is, does the person connect with you? Someone's not going to agree with you if they don't like you or they're feeling threatened. So you've got to help build a relationship in the level of influence as well. Yes, and I think a lot of people, I think I know for myself, I used to start from the social side of things, which was always my default. And I couldn't understand why other people didn't quite get that relationship building 
activity? Why didn't why didn't relationship building lead to influencing? Well, it can, but it doesn't in itself. It can, but if you're you've got somebody in, like in your story that is more um, into stating facts and is more logical and wants a rational outcome, then you've got to add that to the conversation and and recognize and accept that they in fact value those type of needs. Yes, exactly. In this situation, you know, the uh, manager kept saying to the owner, why don't we go for a coffee and have a chat? Because he's trying to use that social and also emotional stuff about highlighting it's important that we work together. The owner's going across saying is, I want to actually see the data. Yes. And so there's two different needs trying to be met there. And it was just a matter of is, can they do both? Yes. When are the different ways they look at it? And again, it's them both understanding which influence uh, mechanisms work best to meet each other's needs. Mm. So the, so we've got rational um, as a main category, but Bacon divides that up into logic, legitimising, engaging and stating. Um, so that just covers off those factual, detailed, direct approach. And then social, I spoke a little bit about, that is a social approach where you're building a relationship and values based. What about, what's the emotional category that he, that he goes on with? So the emotional one is very much where you're role modelling. So it's where you're getting that real personal value-driven connection. So the person's basing it from their moral principles or they're also showing it by just the way they behave, that they expect others to behave that way as well. These so they're are, using their influence of just others hopefully will adopt their approach. I've seen this a lot with leaders um, who are commonly called either charismatic or inspirational. Um, I remember one in particular um, who whose name is Steve, but um, <laughs> he he was very much hands-on um, demonstrating the role modelling approach to influencing. You know, there was a big change process going on, cultural change for the organisation, which obviously he was driving, but all of the team leaders could see that he role modelled exactly what was was going on and they all fell in line behind that. So they were demonstrating for their teams exactly what needed to be done. It was a really, um, it was a really strong and effective influencing technique. Mm, absolutely. I mean, there's sort of things like you see, like Steve uh, Richard Branson drives a very role model. He inspires others to adopt a certain approach and a behaviour. True. Um, Stephen Covey's work around value, a principle-based leadership, where it's driven by values is a very emotional side of things, which is good. So compared to that, say, when you're doing a social approach, well, you can be having socialising, but you also could just be doing consulting. So yeah. consulting and alliance building. How do I build alliances in the different parts of my team or possibly organisation? Mm -hmm. So that we don't always have to be agreeing, but we've got alliances when we need to drive things forward or want to approve. So often when I work with uh, leaders, it's about is where's your alliances, where's your key relationships with stakeholders, and how well are they effective for you about achieving together when you want to move things forward? Yeah, and that's what people refer to networks these days. That's what they're talking about is, is building those alliances, is your networks. So um, should you wish to provide a solution or get a job or consider different approaches, first off, you know, you listen to find out what the key stakeholder um, who you're going to be dealing with or you need to influence, you've got to work out whether they have a need that's rational, emotional or social. And obviously not everybody has just one. It could be that they are quite socially adept but they're their main need 
could be an emotional one or it could be a rational one. So you, just because you found out that they, they like a cup of coffee, don't just jump to the, the conclusion no. that they're, they're going to be all about social influencing. Yeah, they're just very happy for you to take them to lunch. That's fine. <laughs> That's right. Go for it. But they'll be? then come back and say, are you paying for this? So <laughs> they can work through that. I think the thing is, like you said before, plan it out. So what's your goal and outcome? What's your intent about it? And how are you going to build that relationship is part of it. And then also is which strategies best work for you? Do I need to have a lot of PowerPoint presentations and facts? Is it a matter of brainstorming it with them? Is it a matter of uh, just relying to their morals and their principles about where you're going to talk through that? And, and the other part is also is reflect on how effective your relationship's been in the past. So have we worked well together? Have we solved problems together? Have we made decisions together? All that data will help you plan out more effectively around your level of influence. Um, knowing the right time and place, mm. you, know, you know, it's no point trying to go on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, going to the manager and saying is, you know, let's talk about this so we can get an agreement. Or where we can talk about those data and facts over coffee in a very busy coffee shop um, where everybody else can hear your company's data. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> or as I discovered, you know, when someone was clearly having a, a conversation out, uh, when I was on the plane. Oh, uh, yes. And they're talking on the phone, talking about a recruitment process. And I'm thinking, this is probably not a good time <laughs> to try and influence this person when there's under 100 people listening in. That that reminds me that there are other skills involved in um, influencing rather than just knowing what the framework is. You'll, you'll need skills in presenting, you'll need skills in persuading, you will need skills in negotiating um, as well as the influencing. So they're the skills that that go with this particular framework. Really good point. Influence is a concept and, a, and an approach and in there are a number of skills such as your listening and questioning skills, your insight skills and then your negotiation persuasion skills, all those sort of things. And we've covered off a few of those in other podcasts and we can certainly bring them in. But one of the things we often see is to use your thinking around how do I influence rather than using my authority and say, how do I just tell them how they've got to do it? Exactly. And when you're using your skills, particularly negotiation, and I find that when people have done negotiation courses, they often have done them around um, employee relation type issues and um, it means that it, they're quite combative. Whereas for influencing, you use your negotiation skills to work out where the common ground is and what the common limit and, and what the limitations are. So where are the top and the bottom needs and what can we do in 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 the space that that we both can be comfortable with. Yeah, it's a good point you raise. I often find influence is a more proactive approach yep. where negotiation is when you know you're already either in a buying, negotiating, sale, closing a deal, or as you said, dealing with a, a people issue, a, a performance issue, where if you're actually doing more influence early, you've probably got a better understanding of the needs and the dynamics and what you need to do to help and get a better outcome early rather than re risk the fact that it could come into conflict Often when I've been brought in to deal with conflict, I've found is that the communication is broken down already. Therefore, the ability to influence is stopped. So sure. the only thing to be watchful, though, is that sometimes there is, as Terry Bacon's work highlighted, there's a dark side. So oh, sometimes yes. is people are using what we call manipulative techniques mm -hmm. to influence, such as avoidance. So my strategy here is I don't want to do it, so I'll just avoid. And in some ways, that's an influence technique because it means that they're trying to get their outcome. We often find it's very much a, a win-lose scenario rather than encouraging win-win mindset. Um, others is very much argumentative. So we'll just continually debate. So they'll use their rational influence just to keep criticising and, and, and questioning. 
it doesn't allow the conversation to progress forward. So you've got to watch out forward in the sense of if you've got something happening like that, sometimes it's worth maybe having another chat to reset the goals. I often say to and when I'm coaching people, I say, go back to the beginning, ask again, what's the goal here? What's our intent to work this out together? and try and get to the above the line and big picture? Yes, it strikes me that um, we've sp- spoken about growth mindsets before in previous podcasts, and it strikes me that if we have that growth mindset, then, then you are in that moving forward kind of state where you don't just stick in those pitfalls that um, Terry speaks about of just arguing back and forwards for the sake of it or for stalling things or for just to ignore it. You can, um, with a growth mindset, you really are quite interested in getting a solution and you know, doing something to make sure that that happens. Absolutely. Look, unfortunately, we do see it. You know, we see the threatening technique, which is another uh, negative influence technique. Someone will just use their authority and say, I don't care what you think. This is how it's going to get done. I was at a meeting the other day and truly this person picked up this document that somebody had spent a whole lot of time on and threw it on the table and said, this is useless. Uh, I could not believe it. Literally happened three weeks ago. I bet you it affected the group though, didn't it? It did. And it stopped the ability to get an outcome. Yep. So that's a, a negative influence technique. And unfortunately, we do see it in organisations. The things we try and encourage is it's not helpful. It may get you that short win in that meeting. Ultimately, it doesn't help the long term. And often anything, it creates more conflict further on unless that's resolved. Hmm. Yes. Well, influencing back on that particular person just required um, logic and um, stating some fairly direct facts. So... Good. Yeah. So at least you're then saying is that people stayed above the line and kept focusing on what's some legitimate and factual persuasion techniques. So again, it's just having that ability to know and understand influence and what are some particular techniques and models so you can stay focused on the right things. Well, that's just about sums up our Terry Bacon categories of influencing on personal framework. Um, I hope that was useful for people to uh, get a bit of a how-to. Do you think we were influential? (laughs) Let us know. Um, And we'll continue to go outside and enjoy the uh, garden, the city within a garden here in Singapore. Yeah, let's see how many people we can influence about having a garden. See you later. You can gain more insights about this topic through our ebooks by going to our website, lnc.com.au. And feel free to chat with us and ask us any questions on leadership or give us your feedback through our website at lnc.com.au or via our LinkedIn or Instagram. So until next time, do what you can to live your people leadership potential. Cheers. Cheers.